This is Power Players with Dan Clark. This is a podcast interview with real estate developer and philanthropist Scott Keller. Welcome to Power Players with Dan Clark. Former athlete, Hall of Fame speaker, New York Times bestselling author, and high-performance coach. Where each week I bring you an inspiring message from an extraordinary human being who will share their secrets on how you can tap into your personal power to become everything you were born to be. Thanks for spending some time with me today. In this episode, Scott Keller, who has developed thousands of apartment complexes throughout the Intermountain West and has donated millions of dollars to universities, community charities, and national political campaigns, shares his life and climb to the top of his profession, giving us an inside glimpse into his secret sauce in real estate investing and maximizing your income through a service-before-self mindset so you can make a huge difference exactly like he does in our communities. Scott C. Keller, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, Dan. I'll send you your check a little later on today. You know, I started to gag myself. This bio was so amazing, my gosh. But I hope listeners appreciate from where you've come and how far you're going and that maybe even before this podcast is over, you're going to reach that billionaire status. And uh, this might not come out in your humility, but as I've known Scott for all these years as one of my heroes, he believes that, yeah, you're supposed to make as much money as you possibly can, but it's to do the right thing and leave everybody around you better than they were when you met them. And I, uh, I, I pay tribute and honor you, my dear friend, Let's get right to some questions. You know, the three P's, as I mentioned, that make anyone a power player in every generation, I believe are passion, preparation, and then pursuit of that passion in, 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 in pursuing excellence in all you do. So let's just talk. Question number one, my friend, how did you find your passion to get into to the 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 real estate investment world, particularly in multifamily housing and apartments and in that, uh, that real estate investment world? I learned early that the only security that one had in themselves was how they cultivated their own skill set. Uh, someone told me there was no such thing as job security. And, and I fell victim to that. I, I sensed uh, what, how I was subjecting myself to the dictates and whims of a boss who would only pay me what he thought I was worth. And I surely wasn't going to make more than himself. And I kind of had an idea what that was and thought I'd like to do better than that. In fact, I'd like to do better than his boss. In fact, what, what uh, level does one shoot for? Well, you say, Hmm, present CEO, chairman of the board, what does he make? What would that be like? And that which one can perceive can be achieved. I realized that in my earlier career at Rider Systems, as wonderful of an opportunity as that was for me, it enabled me to look forward and look beyond the moment and say, I think I can do better. Hence the reason I started developing supplemental income so that I had or created a security, a level of financial security for myself and didn't fall victim to the dictates and whims of the boss. 
That's and amazing. so I, I invested in real estate knowing that historically real estate will grow in value. And my father had rental homes growing up in Las Vegas. And uh, when I was first married, I thought, wow, what am I going to do? How am I going to pay the bills? I don't have three or four other roommates to share the rent with. I need to figure something out. So I always had a second job working on weekends and that sort of thing as supplemental income. And I never spent it. I just invested it and eventually grew into a sizable portfolio today. So that brings another great question up. You mentioned your dad a little bit. Who actually inspired you to prepare and what did you specifically do to prepare yourself to take on this risk and to take on these challenges and to, 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 to think bigger and play bigger than most of the folks around you? I'm kind of a numbers guy. I'm always doodling with numbers. And the, the, to run a major corporation today, you don't have to understand geometry unless you're in the sciences or engineering. But to run a normal business, if you can write one half of 1% in decimal form and understand the value, the ratio, the fraction, the percentage, and, and, and have comparables uh, to measure your growth and profitability, uh, that becomes a passion. And to enhance your mathematical skills, it might be eighth or 10th grade math. But if you can become keen at just simple equations, you can run any major corporation in America and understand the ratio of profitability or not, or how profitable one would like to be. I love the adage, when performance is measured, performance improves. And so I measure everything I do daily. A return on investment, return on time, return on people, return on asset. I have different measures that say I'm doing good or I'm not doing as well as I would like. And so I'm constantly comparing that and driving those numbers to hit the objective, whatever that is. That's awesome. So I have a question. As uh, I've interviewed other billionaires on this podcast most billionaires that you and I and most people in the world can rattle off, they acquired their wealth by having someone come in and purchase their company for $1.3 billion or $2.8 billion. And you've acquired and generated your wealth organically, Scott, from your very first rental property in continuous growth and return on your investment, which is so incredibly impressive. And that puts you in a completely different level as a power player, obviously the reason you're on this podcast. But here's the question. Did you ever fail? And what did you do about that failure to get back up and go again? You know, I've, I've thought about this a lot lately for some reason. Um, I don't, I'm sure I have failed at something, but I've got to think real hard at something that I haven't succeeded at in a significant way that I've really tried and wanted to, to succeed. Anything that interested me or that I was passionate about, I eventually figured it out. Now, it may have taken me a little longer than some, but I eventually figured it out. If you do it, you own it. And so my, my pursuit has not been pulling my bootstraps up and, and, and trying something 
that would work, my, my pursuit has been in slowly, steadily, consistently, persistently pushing along. When times get tough, grab an oar and start pulling and pull hard. And I, I just, I, I've always had that in me to just keep pursuing. Wow. Uh, in my youth, I grew up with uh, a tough circumstance, a very strict father. And with that, in as much as it was unpleasant at the time and unpleasant to think back on at times, I think, gosh, I think I can do anything because nothing was as tough as that. Wow. And so, so it gave me drive to say, hey, I can do hard things. And so can everybody else, because as the adage goes, you know, plan on, plan on the worst, uh, hope, hope for the best and, and expect the worst. And with that, uh, I don't think I'm ever let down too much because I've thought it through and realized that things may not always go as well as we hope, but we can fix it. We can make it better. And if it. It does, if it doesn't succeed at first, don't give up. Keep trying. Um, and let me deter just a little bit. This is a great, great 30-second story. But in 08 and 09, when the economy was falling apart and all we heard on the news read were, you know, recession lines or soup lines and depressions of 1933. And the politics of the day were different than we were accustomed to. And and who knows what was about to happen. I was building a very expensive home that I went two and a half times over budget. I never pulled back one day and I never laid off a single person. But our occupancies dropped, our revenues dropped straight across the board in the portfolio. Uh, the only way to survive was to take a look at that big picture and say, manage the midline expense. And as we took a look at how, what we could do, what we could hold off on, what we could duct tape, if you will. Recessions last typically six to nine months. Don't panic. In 08, it was 18 months. But don't panic. Just figure it out. Everyone lock arms, grab an, grab an oar, start pulling, and figure it out. We managed the midline expenses, and guess what? Our cash flows went up, even with lower occupancies and lower revenues. Because you, you learn good habits and bad times and bad habits and good times by managing things as tight as you possibly can because you can't drive revenue. You can't drive occupancy any better than the market would allow. Wow. And, and so you can, you know, those that think the money to be made on the outside are sorely mistaken. The money to be made is in the inside where you can enhance efficiencies and drive profits with just something you already have without having to go out and invest more, take on more risk, take on more debt, buy more supply, more equipment, more inventory. Look at what you have and drive efficiencies, and you'd be surprised what you can do without having to invest one single dollar. Oh, it's such wise wisdom, Scott. And I'm sitting here and applying that to our personal relationships, to sports teams, to any endeavor in which we're involved, if we just follow your advice there, you know, you never lose if you always learn. And I was reminded of a famous quote about Thomas Edison. Everybody says, you know, he failed 9,999 times before he invented the electric light bulb. And what you just taught the world, Scott, is the truth about Edison. He said, oh, no. 
he just knew that inventing the electric light bulb was a 1,000 or a 10,000 step process. So he never gave up until he was he, he had accomplished his goal. That's what you just reminded us about. Okay, so let's change uh, directions a little bit more into that into that preparation side. If if we have lots of young entrepreneurs tuning into the podcast, you've said basically understand basic mathematics, uh, hang around with the right people who say you can't quit. It's a league rule. Is there any other advice that you could give a young entrepreneur or a small business owner, even a major corporation um, that you've discovered that you actually shared when you donated $10 million for the new business building at the largest university in the state of Utah? I'm, I'm milking from you your th- famous three-step process, brother, and please share that with the world. If I understand your question, you are asking how a young entrepreneur can get started? Yes, sir. And continue on. Well, they, you know, I, I, you know, as you, as you know, I sit on the National Advisory Board at UVU, and mm-hmm. in some of those meetings, as we will have this this week, uh, I sit there and I listen to all of these very smart, successful CEOs that are on that panel, that are on that committee, and I think, and I made the comment one day a year or two ago, what a wonderful thing this would be for students to be sitting in an overhead. And listening to this dialogue through the day to hear all these successful people speak and give comments and ask questions and respond. And I'm thinking, wow, that's a class in and of itself and an experience that ought to be replicated. But it's just natural. It's on the fly. It's not prepared. It's just the way people are. Mm. So for young people, I made the comment. Often we go to college to get a degree and such and such. But often we're getting a degree to get a degree and not a degree in something that we really are interested in and know how. I thought that we ought to have classes in the college curriculum that would test everyone's aptitude, find out what their interests are, and provide them with knowledge and opportunity that are out there that they may be able to pursue uh, according to their own skill set, so many people have skills. I have friends that are graduated magna cum laude in law school and can't rub two nickels together. Yeah, smart, smart people, but are application not so smart. That don't have skill set with people. Some 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 people are social buffoons and they are smarter than a whip, yeah. but they aren't given the opportunity to channel what they really have to offer. And I think often in the curriculum of the day, people, students, prospective entrepreneurs don't really know what opportunities await them. And somehow there ought to be something provided for those that are aspiring to be successful in their life to have a complete study of what opportunities are out there. And, and, and so that they will know what to pursue. Otherwise, they're just kind of guessing. And they pursue something that maybe they're successful at, maybe they're not. But they could have been much more successful had they been given the knowledge and the, the opportunity 
of what is there for them to pursue that is best aligned with their own skill set. And so I think as, as one starts out in, in, in a pursuit of business, they need to understand where their skill set is. They need to understand what's available and what works. They need to ask a lot of questions, surround themselves with greatness, surround themselves with successful people. Do you want to, do you want to fly with the, the seagulls or soar with the eagles? I love you, it. You, you will soon find that we all rub off on each other in some fashion. And uh, sometimes it's really edifying and, and wonderful. And sometimes it's, it's not so good. So we have to be careful about the environment we place ourselves in and those people that we surround ourselves with because we hope that they will inspire us and we hope that we will inspire them so that synergistically one plus one will equal three. And, and it's true. And I, I have, I've been blessed with many, many friends and wonderful opportunities and uh, one of which is uh, philanthropic. I don't know if we're going to talk about that at all. But Yeah, we're winding down our last few minutes, and that's the, the, the last P, pursuit of excellence in all that you do. And I want to talk about your philanthropy. Yeah, raising more money for uh, the Mitt Romney presidential campaign and, and being one of your dear friends. I just watch how gracious you are with the uh, – with the resources that you're able to generate and how you build people up. So let's talk a little bit about why, why you have become a philanthropist and, and kind of tie it into my last question that I've asked every guest I've had on my podcast. And that is taking a, a leaf from professor Randy Pausch, who came up with the, the speech last lecture, he was battling cancer. So if you had one message to the world, and it was your last lecture, Scott, tie it into philanthropy and why and how each of us needs to give more than we take. Well, I, I learned how to serve in philanthropic uh, purposes by getting involved politically, interesting enough, in 08 as I was raising money to help Mitt Romney, and I'm not a politician, but I was passionate about helping him succeed. And then again in 2012. And in so doing, you make a lot of friends or you lose a lot of friends when you ask for money. And but it 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 got to to, to a point where I was asking to help people to donate money for a cause that I had nothing to benefit from. I worked for free. I was donating my time but I learned how to get indoors, how to ask and close or commit people to donate for a cause that they would be in agreement with. And the political aspect of it grew into philanthropic to where I got involved. And, and, and it, the, the byproduct of that was not just the cause, the byproduct was the friendships, the networking, the opportunities to learn from all these other successful people. And I encourage young people, if you want to network, if you want to find out what's available, if you want to understand from the experience of others, why is this the man who makes mistakes 
uh, not makes mistakes on his own, but he learns the mistakes from others. And they will share those mistakes. Anyone who's successful loves to share their experiences on what works and what doesn't work because their natural tendency is to say, let me save you some time. Let me save you some money. Let me save you the pain and suffering that I went through that took years to figure out. But here's one thing you don't do. And it's generally a, a two-minute conversation uh, with those little things that oftentimes take years to learn and understand. You know, you can be told, you can read in the book, but there, nothing trumps experience. Nothing. Uh, but you can learn many things by asking questions from successful people that will save you from making a lot of the same mistakes. You surround yourself with these kind of people and it's inspiring and you'll want to be like them. And chances are they'll provide a job opportunity for you. Mm. And this all comes by being politically involved in your community and philanthropically involved. I was too immature to understand that in my earlier career in my 20s and 30s, but I caught on to it. And it's a wonderful thing, as you know, Dan, there's it's rare that either one of us go to, to, to one gala or another or event that we don't run into each other. And, and uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing. I was invited by uh, Scott Anderson, the CEO of Zions Bank, last night to attend a, a, a wonderful gala, uh, the Junior Achievement last night. And uh, I look around the room there, Dan, and there's Ron Gibson, and, uh, and there's Jay Francis, and there's Scott Anderson, and and uh, myself and a bunch of former alumnus, father of the years. Mm -hmm. and, and you see, good begets good. And, and, and once you catch hold to these different philanthropic um, uh, ideas or, or concepts, the spirit of that just takes over. And it, it, all of a sudden, we become it. I think it was Caesar that said, assume a virtue if you have it not. Yeah. Well, I didn't know how to serve. I learned to serve by doing, and now it's just in me. Now it's it's just part of who I try to be for the right reasons. I don't. It's not not quid quo pro. I do it because I love it. I enjoy it, and I love seeing the people. And as kind of a closing message, you're teaching the world, especially young entrepreneurs, that the secret to networking at the highest level and learning to influence the affluent is to give of our time to get involved in a charitable organization to. Be philanthropic because, as you just reminded me and have reminded the world, it's amazing when you hang around with the right and in the right causes and get involved. You look left and you look right, and those are truly the power players in our communities and power players in the world. And what a great place to create friendships! And that's really how you and I met at the very, very beginning, all those years ago. So, a true uh, statement. Well, you, you know, when a man gives his money he gives much when a man gives his time he gives much more but when he gives both he gives all yeah i agree and ladies and gentlemen scott c keller one of the great human beings on our planet and by the time i get him on this podcast again he will be a legitimate billionaire grown organically through his wisdom and his business savvy so there you have it a power player who has taught us his irrefutable truths that apply to families. You don't give up. You make it work. Uh, relationships with significant others and our spouses. You don't give up. You make it work. You figure out what to do in your small, small business. You figure out what to do to fix 
our community, fix our country, fix our world. And Scott C. Keller, you're the you're the, 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 the tip of the spear, brother, leading the way. So as I conclude this podcast, please just remember that when you finally decide to be a power player, your power play begins in you. So until next time, quantify your takeaway and go make a power play. Thanks for joining me, Scott. Have a great day. Thank you very much. The views and opinions expressed on the Power Players podcast do not necessarily reflect those of KUTV or Sinclair Broadcast Group.